Welcome to the Inspired to be Authentic podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lancedell. Inspired to be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live authentically. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to themselves and their purpose. Today is episode 18, and we are joined by Stephanie Mancarios. Welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So happy to have you here. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about embodying self-worth. Um, this is uh, at the root of both Stephanie and I's work, so we're going to really dissect this uh, this cool topic and talk all about different strategies to building self-worth, um, maybe some barriers that get in the way of us um, achieving self-worth. And uh, so it's going to be a really awesome topic. I'm excited to have you guys here today. So I want to share a little bit about Stephanie. So as an abundance and self-worth coach, Stephanie is also an expert in the field of mindfulness, yoga, and meditation. With a background in somatically oriented mindfulness-based therapy, transformational coaching, and over eight years of teaching experience, Stephanie has an eclectic approach to healing and is an extremely passionate about leading people through an unforgettable journey of self-discovery. Sharing the transformative power of equanimous, equanimous, <laughs> equanimous, equanimous. What does that even mean? <laughs> we can get into that. <laughs> equanimous, compassionate presence on and off the mat. She has helped thousands of people realign with their inner wisdom and connect to the hearts, bodies and sense of self-worth in profound ways. With a strong background in functional anatomy, three yoga, yoga teacher trainings completed in Bali and India. 600 hours of osteopathy school, kinetic Swedish massage therapy, personal training, psychology, and somatically based healing practices. Stephanie is fascinated about how emotions interact with the body and the mind. She believes that through healing and understanding your self-worth, you can learn to harness the law of attraction to manifest everything you desire. Mm. It's beautiful. Thank Just you. beautiful. I love Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... Um, well, first, let's talk about actually, first and foremost, how did you get into all this? That's a great question. Yeah. So I spent most of my life, my teenage life and my early adult life um, really suffering. I had experienced quite a bit of trauma and came from like a, a difficult past. And I just, I felt depressed and anxious and like unfulfilled and uh, in the middle of a semester of university, I just had this really strong gut feeling that I needed to go to Bali, and I didn't know why. And I Googled Bali, and the first thing that came up was yoga teacher training. And interestingly enough, up to that point, I really hated doing yoga. And I hated doing it now that I look back. I hated it because it was inviting me to be present with myself and be in my body, and I was not ready for that. And, um, and anyways, I went to Bali, did this training and that was the catalyst that kind of like started the whole process of me discovering how to feel better, how to, to develop self-love, self-worth, how to understand what I was going through and kind of make sense of what had happened to me. And ever since then, so that was almost nine years ago, I've just been on this journey of like, discovering how to help myself and then really feeling excited to share that with the world and wanting to help as many people as I can. I like that. 
I want to uh, paint a bit of background with you because I want the, 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 the audience to know how you and I met, um, yeah. <laughs> which is really cool. So I left um, Calgary and I was, you know, really torn because I didn't want to leave my friends. I'm really close with my friends, uh, but I needed this, to seek this adventure. So I went to Chiang Mai, Thailand is where I started. And my neighbor at the time, who is kind of like a soulmate of mine, uh, soulmate friendship, and uh, introduced me to Stephanie. And she is a fellow Canadian. She's from Montreal. And um, we totally just hit it off. And we have, we're so similar and like eerie similar. Um, so it's really cool. We did a lot of cool work together in, in Chiang Mai. And we've continued to stay in touch um, throughout, you know, returning back home and everything with COVID going on. So it's, uh, it's been really cool. I introduced Matt to very long hugs. Yes. <laughs> And the cuddle puddle, the cuddle party. The cuddle puddle, yeah. The audience yeah. knows about that because the they I've talked about it in a few of my episodes. So um, she was the introduction to the cuddle puddle. Yeah. <laughs> so self worth. Let's um, let's dig right in because I know there's going to be so much to touch on in this topic. So, um, what's your experience been like with self worth? Like, why is this the thing? Why is this your thing? I think everything comes back to self-worth. And I think that we all, like every human being struggles and suffers with so much self-doubt, which causes us to have so much fear. And that holds us back from fully experiencing our life. Because when we're doubting ourselves, we're going to hold back from doing things that we want to do or fully experiencing anything, relationships, our our interactions with friends, succeeding in our in our career, attracting money. Like if we don't feel like we're worthy of, of love, of connection, of money, of success, of anything, anything that we want health, then it's impossible to get it because it all comes back to that. And I think that once we can really learn and understand that we are so worthy and that the chances of us having even been born are so small, that just like if we zoom out and look at just that aspect, like, I don't know what the percentage, it's like one chance in like 400 trillion or something for you to like make it here. Just that should be enough evidence that you're worthy (laughs) to be on this planet and to have this full experience of life. Yeah. You are the fastest swimmer. You won that race. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the journey and the evolution of of self-worth. Like when you think about us being born into this into this this world, do we have self-worth or is this something we need to develop? Like what how do, how does that work? Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting topic and there's a lot of uh like debate about nature and nurture, which is like are we born a certain way because of like inher- what we inherited in our genes and and do we arrive in the world with like a skill set and like, a, you know, an understanding of things or is it uh, nurture, which is our environment affecting how we turn out? Mm-hmm. Uh, I strongly believe in nurture more than nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's growing evidence about this with epigenetics, which is like the, the science of how we can change the constitution of our cells so like if you're predetermined if you're born with a predisposition to suffer from depression or anxiety it might be a little bit harder for you to overcome it than somebody who doesn't have that genetically 
but it is possible. And so I really, really strongly believe that your environment and especially after you kind of like leave the nest and you are, you have full authority over your life and you make your own decisions and you choose who you talk to, who you interact with and what you're doing every day. Like what are your habits? What are you surrounding yourself with? What are you spending your time doing? It can absolutely affect, um, you know, your experience and you can uh, completely ch like change and restructure the way that your brain functions. Um, I don't know. Have you ever? Ever heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza? I have, yeah. yeah quantum quantum love, physics. I love his work. So he talks all about that. If anybody is interested in, in learning about how you can completely change what you arrived with. Um, so I think that, you know, we arrive to answer your question. We arrive in this world completely like ready and open, and we absorb everything that we experience during the first 18 years and then we're like launched out into the world with this <laughs> experience and and it's like yeah I guess it's just like re unpacking and undoing everything you learned or if you had an amazing experience and like a great family and a great life then using that and moving forward mm. I like that. And that's very aligned to kind of how I, how I view things. And, um, what are, what are some barriers that you see to people, um, remaining in that, that innate sense of worthiness that we're born into, and then it becomes disrupted through domestication. What are these things that we experience that disrupt our self-worth? Yeah. I think one of the main things is using our history as evidence. So mm. a lot of times, like my clients will be like, I, I never managed to do this before. So that means I can't, or I've never experienced this before. And that means I can't. And I think that's like a really important thing to reprogram for, uh, to allow change to happen is that like whatever happened in the past that created a belief system for you doesn't mean that that's, that's the way the future is going to, you decide what happens next, right? You decide you are, you are the creator of your reality. So you can decide what you choose to believe about yourself and your experience. I, I love that. And I think, you know, when I think of you and the work that you do, like I think of you being like a body worker, like a light body worker, like your everything that you taught me and just being in your presence, it's very, it, it, it was very grounding. And it allowed me to move from my head into my body when I was in, in your presence. And I think um, when it comes to beliefs, how do we start to change the beliefs that we have about ourselves? Such a great question. I think the first step is to catch the belief. So developing awareness. And mm. the, my, my tip for developing awareness is meditation. I think that just having like, even if you only have five minutes in your day, or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that's plenty of time to be with yourself. And that's where you want to cultivate a relationship with yourself, right? So in the same way that if if you meet someone and you're interested in them, you start spending time with them. And by spending time with them, you get to understand them and you get to know them and you understand how they think and how they process and what their habits are. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about doing that with yourself. So like, what, what are my habits? What are my thinking patterns? How do I process? 
And in order to do that, you need to spend time with yourself. So like dedicating some time to be with yourself, you know, every day for a little bit at a time, at least. Um, and, and developing the awareness of like, oh, I just caught myself thinking this thing. And once you can start to catch yourself, like the first step is awareness. And then the second step is like, catch yourself while it's happening. And then, and then learn to switch it. So like in the moment of like catching yourself being like, I'm unable to do this. I can't do this is to be like, oh, like, wait, if your friend was saying that to you, would you just let him or her say that? Or would you be like, wait a second, you can do that. Why do you have that limiting belief? So it's just doing that with yourself and then shifting it and just catching yourself every time because all a belief is, is is a repetitive thought that happened repetitively and that your brain just decided to adopt as a belief system. Yeah. Oh, this is so stimulating for me. I love it. Um, (laughs) um, How, okay. I want to ask you a personal question. So I want you to kind of go inside yourself and ask yourself this, how does your relationship with yourself differ between head and heart? What's your experience like of yourself between these two mechanisms that we can interpret and perceive ourselves through? Or is there any distinction for some people? They don't have that distinction. Can you ask the question a different way? Of course, yeah. So we all have the ability to perceive the world and ourselves through our our mind, right? Through our ego structure, through the way we perceive through senses. But then we also have the ability to perceive the world through energy, through our body, through our heart. And I'm just curious of, of your experience of yourself between those two worlds. Do they differ at all? And if so, how? Mm-hmm. I would say that they're both quite strong. Like I, I think quite a lot. I try to make it productive thinking. And then I feel a lot. I'm also a deeply feeling person. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that those two things combined affect our body and our physical experience. So like when we're noticing that we're really tense, it's like, oh, what am I feeling? And then when you find out what you're feeling going into your head and being like, What's, what thoughts am I having that are causing me to feel this way? Um, but I try to, I think sometimes when I move out of balance, I could be more in my head and or more in my heart and I think like always moving back into keeping them in communication with each other Mm -hmm. is is super key and with my body too because I think they're like they're kind of like three I mean they're all operating together but I think they're kind of three yeah so how do we how do we do that how do we um how do we remain aware of when we're in heart, when we're in mind, like what are some, some examples we can share with the audience? Cause not everybody has a lot of body awareness, right? Some people have zero body awareness and it's like, how can we help them move from that, take that journey from head down into heart? What's the strategy that you could share with them? Mm. I think breath is a, a great tool. And it's the fastest, most readily available one we have to come back into our feeling and come back into our body because it's always there. You know, we're breathing all the time. And so even if you're not in a situation where you could withdraw and be with yourself and ask yourself, uh, you know, if you're in the middle of an interaction, 
you can just like come back to your breath and just by breathing. So like there's different breathing techniques. I like just regular basic uh, breathing in and out through the nose, but deeply into the belly just helps to bring the attention back down because most of us spend, you know, a lot of time up here and we're in thought and we're almost like completely dissociated from our physical experience. Um, and we all do this. And, and for some of us, it's a, a coping mechanism. And for others, it's just like not having the habit or the practice of being in the body. But I think that using the breath is such a great tool to come back to like, how am I feeling? Like what is, and, and also I like to um, ground a lot. So like be barefoot uh, on the earth, outside, inside, anywhere, just like feel the connection of my feet on the ground mm. because it pulls the attention in from all the way up here, all the way down as low as possible. And then like your, your attention kind of travels down from here and has to move down. So you're traveling through your body back into earth. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I want to give the audience an opportunity to maybe understand the pain points a little bit about what it's like to have a poor self-worth. Because I think sometimes when we struggle with self-worth, it can manifest in so many other ways and we don't actually see it as a poor self-worth. It's something, because I think in order to fix something, we need to know what we're working with. So how does poor self-worth or low self-worth, however you want to frame it, how does it show up in our lives? How do we know we have it? Mm. So um, I'm glad that we talked about the body because I'm going to bring that in now. Um, throughout our day, so our body is constantly reacting to what's happening up here and over or in our head and in our hearts. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so whenever we're feeling good, when something feels joyful, loving, when there's gratitude, when there's excitement, there's an expansion feeling in the body. So like you might even notice your posture changes when you feel happy, uh, like your shoulders will move back, your chest will open, you're going to breathe more deeply, you're more engaged, you might lean forward. And then when you are not feeling good, when there's like an experience of guilt, shame, anger, frustration, jealousy, we contract, fear, we contract. So that might look like shoulders rolling forward, chest moving back, uh, shallow breathing, rapid breathing, tension mm. in the stomach. And so being able to catch when those moments happen of like, oh, I'm contracting and then asking yourself what's happening and then noticing what just happened because in, in some way when that happens, we're, um, we might be self-abandoning in some way. And we do that a lot when we have a lack of sense of self-worth. So when we don't feel like we're worthy of like whatever it is we need, right? It's, it's your body will contract. So not expressing yourself because you don't think that you uh, deserve to express your needs because you're not worthy of having needs or having your needs be met, your body is going to contract. Mm. So the body is such a great like, indicator of what's happening inside to understand more what's happening in your mind to uncover the belief systems that are there that might make you realize like oh this is a lack of sense of self-worth that i have mm. that resonates 
that resonates so strongly for me because that was basically my experience when, you know, struggling, growing up, being gay and having a poor self-worth. And that expressed itself throughout my whole life. It was like the weave that always was there. The, the, the pattern, the theme that was always in my life was low self-worth. And I became really dependent on external validation. I constantly abandoned myself. I got myself involved in codependent relationships as the codependent and, um, these are big themes for me. I want to I want to maybe explore the self-abandonment thing though because I think this is huge and I think we're actually being asked right now collectively the consciousness is actually shifting I think in two two ways. I think authenticity is one of them. We're being asked to be more authentic, be more aligned to our truth, take our masks off. And I think the other aspect is a, a lot of it has to do with self-abandonment, self-worth. I think these are kind of two and they're and those are very connected. But I'm I'm feeling this a lot with my clients, with things I'm seeing on social media. It's a big theme for a lot of people. So why don't we break that down? What is self-abandonment? How does it show up? What it would, you know, let's dissect it. Yeah. Um so self-abandonment is not paying attention to yourself and what you need and putting other, sometimes, oftentimes it's putting other people first ahead of yourself, you know? So if you have a people pleasing program going on, mm-hmm. um, you can self-abandon by making sure everybody else is okay first and you not being okay. Um, how, how did it show up for you? Do you want to share? Um, I would say uh, abandoning my authenticity because I grew up gay and I, I knew it was wrong from a very young age. I knew it was wrong at the age of five. And I actually talked about this on a podcast that I was a guest on recently. And um, I knew that I was gay when I was five and I had my first sexual feeling and I knew that I had to hide it from that moment because something didn't feel right. I felt anxious. And then what I did was when I got to around the age of 12, when it started to become more more present right like my sexual desires these things started to really start to rise up in inside of me and i would wear masks um number one being my mask of masculinity i wore it so strongly on my face i made sure i did everything masculine so no one could find out that i was gay so i was abandoning my truth i was abandoning my authenticity and and, and that's why my brand in this in this podcast is called inspired to be authentic because that's been my journey is i was so uninspired to be authentic because I was living in fear. And now that I'm living in, in my courage and in my heart, I'm, I'm inspired to help other people align to their authenticity because I spent so much of my life abandoning myself and not being there for myself um, that this is a very important cause for me now. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What about for you? I think that... Um... I think a lot of us, you know, as you were mentioning that a lot of us self-abandon because we rather abandon ourselves than be abandoned by other people. That's like, you know, the biggest human fear because uh, we're chemically designed to live with each other and we can't survive alone. And so there's like this really deep, uh, often subconscious fear of being abandoned. and. And I think that that we accept to abandon ourselves out of a sense of lack of self-worth. Yeah. Um, Well said. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That just came out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So I think that 
realizing how important your relationship to self is first so that you show up for yourself first, that builds the inner strength and reduces the fear of getting abandoned by others. And so it becomes easier to step into your worth and to step into your authentic self Mm. to uh, show up in life as you are and the people that manage to show up in life as they are tend to you know and to fully be themselves have so much less attachment to what other people think of them because it's almost irrelevant because it's like hey I've got me and I know and I love myself and I know that if you can't get me and if you abandon me quote unquote I'll be okay for two reasons. One is I have myself. And two is I know that the people that are meant to be in my life and that will love me for who I am authentically will show up. Oh my God. You just described so much that it's like making me emotional just thinking about this stuff because it's like, it's taking me down memory lane, memory lane. And I feel like where I'm at now, I feel like it's a completely different lifetime from where I was before being addicted to drugs, partying, um, like hating myself, literally hating myself. And I think what you said, um, really stimulated something in me, which was to be enough for yourself. And for so long, I didn't allow myself to be enough for myself. I didn't feel like I belonged to myself. So what I did was I sought out external validation because it was the only way that I knew how to feel good because I didn't feel good enough to give myself validation. And then it was through a constant, almost an addiction to to external validation for worth that I that I that I really realized that holy crap, like other people have my self-worth in their in the palm of their hand mm-hmm. they can give it or take it at, at, at the drop of a dime and that for me was a big moment of okay i want to i want to start to shift this and all of my intimate relationships my personal intimate relations i really struggled with this because i didn't know how to be enough for myself so i needed them to show me how worthy i was and finally you know, coming to Asia and doing all the work that I did in Asia really helped me understand and, and develop this sense of, of self-worth that, that I've always really wanted to get to. And, and that doesn't mean that it's perfect. And cause I still, you know, I'm, it always comes up that your old messaging can always come back and, and try and trick you. Right. But for the most part, I feel like I have it under control now. Yeah. How, how does the ego play into all this? Or does it? Ego is such a complex mechanism of the mind that's oh, so interesting. And, and so it's, it's almost like so useful and necessary and also so damaging. Yeah. Um, and I think you can learn to, to harness parts of the ego that are beneficial and to kind of learn to step away or not step away, but step aside from ego the rest of the time and recognize like, okay, this is just ego coming up and it's not serving me right now. Yeah. Um, but the more, the more, the stronger the ego, the more afraid we tend to be and the more reactive and the more, you know, we, we, it's harder to live from a, an authentic aligned place when we're very attached to ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, how does the ego structure get in the way of us um, cultivating a, a deep sense of self-worth? 
The thing about ego in the mind is that um, it wants to prove itself right. So if you have a belief system about yourself, there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system that looks for things in your environment and, and situations in your environment to prove your belief system right. And the ego, if the ego is very, like it's a muscle that you've exercised a lot and it's very strong and dominant for you, um, your, your, your ego is going to have belief systems about everything, yourself, other people, the way the world works. Uh, it, it's it's going to kind of like dictate how your entire, how you perceive the world. And you're going to continue to... Uh, attract situations and experience things in your everyday that are going to um, uh, like magnify and confirm everything that you believe. Yeah. And so in order to shift your belief system about your sense of self-worth to, to un undo what you have accumulated as a belief system around what it means to be worthy you need to be willing to challenge your ego. And that's really, really uncomfortable and painful mm. and, and triggering and tiring. And <laughs> we don't like to feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Our brains are designed to avoid pain and move towards pleasure. And so the second we might start to question that, then it's like, oh, let me grab my phone to distract myself from this really uncomfortable thing I'm feeling. And we do that subconsciously. We might reach for food. We might go and distract through sex and drugs and shopping and whatever your distraction of choice is uh, or distractions are. And um, so I think like, I think all like so much of what we're talking about comes back to becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And the more you can train yourself to do that, the more easily you'll be able to lean into stuff and be able to look at stuff and to question your sense of self and to question everything that you think you know yeah <laughs> yeah and that's that's <laughs> the painful part of self-growth work personal development work mm -hmm. is not easy because you're being asked to lean into discomfort and you know i want to make a point on the reticular uh, the activating system because basically what it's doing is it's reinforcing your beliefs like you said and that's why people hold their beliefs so dearly and they will they will literally do anything to defend them. And I, I know people um, that are, are gay and their parents disowned them because of their belief system. Because what they've done is they've taken their beliefs and they've, their subconscious puts them in situations where their beliefs are constantly reinforced, right? Unhelpful beliefs and helpful beliefs are constantly being reinforced. So if you're not willing to step outside of your own ego structure and become the, the, the seat of, of consciousness or, or the witness to, to your process, which is self-awareness, you're never going to be able to develop um, ultimately self-worth because that's what we're talking about today. So I, I really think a lot of my self-worth has, has been birthed in the present moment because I was able to detach myself from my ongoing thinker brain, which a lot of it is ego and it's re repetitious thinking of, of how unworthy I am, how not good enough I am and all this stuff. And it wasn't until I stuck the stick in the spokes, which is like the, the present moment awareness that I was able to, to slow that thinking down and just be present with the energy of who I am.
And, and that's my next question to you is, is the energy of who we are, what is it? Like for a lot of people, they have, there's so many different spiritual explanations and philosophies. And I'm curious what yours is about the energy of who we are, our consciousness, so to speak. That's a really deep question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really have an answer to that. I think that my personal, you know, spiritual belief is that we are all part of the collective consciousness and all being like anything that's alive, us humans, us animals, the trees, nature, like everything. Yeah. And that we're all, and that's what we're all one means to me. Yeah. Um, that we're all, you know, we're all connected. And what I do and what I feel is going to affect you and what you do and what you feel and what you do and feel is going to affect your neighbor and we're all interconnected. And um, so energetically, that's why, you know, they've done like these studies where when masses of people meditate together, how it like energetically affects uh, whole like regions or like the entire planet sometimes. Like I think that energy is such a powerful uh system and it's it's what we're all uh it's like our essence it's like the the core of us yeah yeah and i i agree and actually i think intuitively we both came to the the you know how to embody self-worth right we kind of came at it and we're like okay these are the two things and we brought it together and that's what we came up with today and i love the word embody because really that's what we're talking about we're talking about how to have the experience of ourselves more in our body than in our ego structure in our in our mind right because I think a lot of times in the mind, we, we, that's where we have self-concept. That's where we have identity. That's where we have personas, masks, facades. All of these things exist there. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to come off as saying that these things are bad because they're, they're there for a reason, right? And I think we almost kind of incubate in these things and in our stories and in our beliefs until we're ready to fully embody our soul like our, our, our energy, whatever we want to call it as our consciousness. And I think, so those things serve a really great purpose. And that's what the ego is for, is it allows us to incubate there until we're ready to, to embody the, the, the true meaning of, of life, which is to be one with our, our heart and our soul and, and love. Um, so. I, can, go, I, can I, of yeah, course. can I add to that? Yes, please. Um, I think that our, our soul, our spirit, our energy like the all of us i think is love i think that uh operating in complete alignment with spirit or with your soul or whatever you want to call it god universe is to be in a state of love and uh you know some great teachings talk about how there's only two main uh, feelings in the world which are fear and love and we're either operating from one or the other they can't coexist at the same time yeah so when we're feeling you know contractive uh feelings we're in the feeling of fear and when we're feeling expansive feelings we're feeling feelings of love and our true nature is to always operate from love from a place of love just being love feeling love uh everything is just love like that's what you know the the term enlightenment means to me is just like just completely understanding that everything aligns through love 
And so energetically, I think that to answer, like come back to your previous question, I think that we are all at the core, we're all love. And then the experiences we have throughout our life um, move us into places of fear. And, and some of us spend a lot more time in the, in the state of fear. And, and some of us you know, fluctuate between the two. And some of us spend a lot more time in the state of love. And I think a lot of the work that you and I and a lot of people are doing is to move more into a space of love, which yeah. is, you know, expansive and giving and non-judgmental and presence, the present moment. Mm. Being in the present moment is such a great way to stay in the state of love, gratitude. Yeah, I love that. It's, it resonates really well with me. Um, that's been like the story of my life, really. <laughs> it's like fear, love, fear, love, fear, love. And sometimes it happens so rapidly. And especially lately, actually, it's been happening a lot more rapidly. Whereas before I would have like maybe two or three days of feeling in this loving state and then I'd fall into a slump. But now it's like I could feel fear in one minute and the next minute I could feel intense love. And I think that's just the universe is doing something right now, man, something intense is happening and we're all shifting. And, um, my emotional states are just so, um, so intense, but they're also so rapid. They can change so rapidly. How, how does fear impact our self-worth? That's such a great question. Thank you. I'm full of them. <laughs> How does fear impact our sense of self-worth? <clears throat> um well when we're in a state of fear, we are so like let's so like fear is the underlying one. So let's go and and look at like what that what fear looks like, right? So it looks like judgment, it looks like anger, it looks like resentment. It looks like jealousy. Um, Powerlessness all, all, is a big one. Mm, mm, all of those things, uh, when we're in those states, we're feeling them. Let's take one. Like, I, I'll, let's get a little more specific. Okay. So, like, if we take if we take jealousy for example, when somebody's experiencing jealousy, let's talk about like non-romantic jealousy. So, let's say like you have. Uh, you have a really nice car. Lamborghini. <laughs> and I don't, let's say. <laughs> uh, and I feel jealous of you. When I'm in that state, I'm, I'm in a state of fear, right? And so the reason that I'm feeling jealous is because I don't, like, I mean, there's so many things we can unpack there, but it me, it's because I don't feel worthy of having the same thing as you do. And so I'm judging you as being better than me, of deserving more than me. Uh, and I'm also judging your worth or your whatever, your, your value based yeah. on this thing that you have that I don't. And, and when we're in a state of love and in a state of gratitude and in a state of non-judgmental awareness... Not only do we know that we are worthy of the same thing that anybody else has, right? Like we can feel inspired by what some, somebody else has instead of feeling jealous, um, which would be a state of love. But, but also, you know, I'm going to touch on like the law of attraction and manifestation a little bit. Okay. Um, 
when, when we're in a state of love, if I see that you have a car that I love and that I don't, if I'm in a state of love, I could understand that that is also available to me and I'm as worthy of having it as you are. I just need to pull it into my reality. You have, and I haven't, I don't know how yet, maybe. And so it's, it's really just like everything comes down to our perception. How yeah. we interpret things is going to determine how we feel. And then how we feel is going to determine, you know, where we're spending more time and fear or love. And the thoughts that we tell ourselves about our reality create our sense of self-worth or, or lack thereof. And so if I believe that I'm worthy, I'm not going to experience jealousy because I'll know that I'm just as worthy as you are to be happy, to have love, to have that nice car, to whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, that reminds me of a book um, by Matt Kahn, who's, who's probably one of my favorite... Um, I don't even know what to call him. I guess a spiritual teacher um, called everything that arises. Love that. And he goes through the whole book and he basically spins your thinking on how we view all of these things. And I remember he said something about jealousy and how jealousy is just an opportunity for you to see what you desire. It's you're looking through a lens of this is what I want, right? Because sometimes we don't know what we want. And all what, what we do is we, we just see this thing that somebody else has and we wish we had it. And we turn that into looking at what I don't have. And instead of looking at it as this is what I want, this is what I'm going to create for myself. So you, be, you, you said it in such a beautiful way, but I just wanted to affirm that um, we can do that for every single emotion, everything we experience, right? And always looking at the universe that it's, 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 it's working through us and for us, not to us, right? And, and it's always preparing yes. us for something greater. And oftentimes what ends up happening is if, if something happens in our life that we get something taken away or we don't get an opportunity, we look at it as it's, it's we didn't get what we wanted but a lot of times we're getting what we needed to prepare us for the next best thing so this door shut and this is the door you wanted but you wanted this door to get to the next door but what the universe is doing is it's actually getting you beyond the first door by giving you rejection so you can prepare for the actual the door that actually matters in your life and it's going to bring you purpose and ever since i started looking at life this way i'm even i, I it's almost like it's taught me how to suffer and, and there's a really cool quote by um, Thich Nhat Hanh, I think that's how you say it, Thich Nhat Hanh, um, that says, when you learn how to suffer, you suffer much less. And that's so true for my experience because I've learned how to suffer. I learned that my suffering is always just me judging an experience that I need that's going to open me up to something greater. And so now I look at suffering as an opportunity. Um, it just might not feel good in the moment, but the less judgment you bring into your suffering, the less it feels like suffering. Yes. And I just, that was so beautifully said. Thank you. And and I just want to <laughs> were you about to say everything I say? Is so said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just want to add to that about suffering because I think it's like, it's a uh, really helpful. It's something that helped me so much is if there's one thing I could say to anybody who's suffering is just remember that it's temporary and that everything is temporary because we get attached and we hold on to feelings when we're feeling good, we get attached to feeling good. And then when we start to feel bad, we're so much more devastated because we got attached to feeling good. And then we're, we're like, we're not ready. We're, we're trying to control, right? 
and we're not ready. And so we're moving into feeling bad and then we're resisting feeling bad instead of slowing down, paying attention, being present with the discomfort and also remembering that it's temporary. It will pass and then feeling good will come around again and it will pass also. And to remember that they're both temporary and they're part of being human and the human life experience. Exactly. And, and that's the cha-cha of life, right? We're always taking two steps forward to take one step back and that will never stop. People think that they're just going to suddenly get on the highway in this trajectory where they're just going to always accelerate forward and they're never going to experience setback. But what ends up happening with people is they just realize that setbacks are part of the process and then they don't feel like setbacks anymore. So it's like you said, it's all perception. And we got to quit judging our experiences and thinking that we did something wrong, that we suddenly, you know, and that's why I'm not a big fan of like the whole like, my vibration is is low, because I think this or I do that or whatever. It's like, we don't need to be punishing ourselves. And we don't need to be rejecting things that bring our vibration down, because we're meant to oscillate between higher and lower vibrations, because that's how we learn and grow right? And I was thinking this morning in the shower, actually, about this really cool concept. I don't even know if it's out there yet, but I thought about it, but I um, called it ego bypassing. We have like spiritual bypassing, but we don't have ego bypassing, which is like completely rejecting your ego and making it out to be the enemy. And that, you know, we want to do everything to get away from it. And I see a lot of this in the spiritual community where people, they bypass their ego and they think that their ego is now dead and they're somehow... um, highly spiritual and that they're not going to have these experiences anymore. But I think that's just a form of repression, right? You're repressing your shadows. And I think um, there's the expression of repression of shadows, but I think there's also the experience of um, integrating your shadows. And once they're integrated, they may, they may feel as if they're dissolved, but really they're not gone. They're still there and you can tap into them anytime you want. They're just not unconsciously triggered anymore. They're, they're, they're brought into the light, but that doesn't mean that they're still not shadow aspects of ourselves. Yeah. I think it's really so important to, uh, you know, keep in mind that we are human And even though like we are spiritual beings living a human life experience, part of being human is to have ego and part of being human is to have shadow and have, you know, all kinds of inner shit come up all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and part of being spiritual is to remember not to get attached to feeling a specific way to remember that things are temporary to be able to step aside and observe when ego is coming forward and when ego is driving the car of your life and to, you know, like integrate your human self and your spiritual self to live the best possible life you can. I think it's when we move too much in out of balance on one end or the other of the human or like spiritual spectrum that I don't know. It just, it fe- to me, feels more holistic to just like integrate, learn how to integrate the two. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's a lot of the work that I did in Asia as well. It, w- it was such a, like a crazy time. It was like eight months of just like, well, and you know, like, you know, all the work I did. We've talked about it and just how heavy and dense it was. Um, but shadow work is very, it's been the most effective work for me, but it's also been the most painful work for me. And I'm curious for you. I always like to ask, give people an opportunity to practice vulnerability on the podcast. because I think that is how we find our authenticity and, and embrace it. What's one aspect of your shadow that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Something that you feel is that you've split from or rejected about yourself that you maybe you're learning to integrate again, or maybe you've already integrated it. Hmm. 
Ooh, that's such a good question. I think that, um, I think probably like impatience, which is, is, is really funny for me to bring up right now because it has actually, uh, impatience for me has shown up in so many different ways. And for all of my life, like from very young, adult, uh, very young uh, infancy to about maybe a year and a half ago, I was impatient in like every traditional way that you think of an impatient person. Like I wanted things to happen faster. I couldn't stand like being stuck behind a slow driver or a slow walker or like anything that involved like that I couldn't go fast enough. <laughs> and I, I really was able actually in, in Chiang Mai to uh, unpack that and release it out of my system. And I've become really, really patient in that way. But it still exists in me in terms of like um, accepting that I and other people uh, are operating at the rhythm that they and I are operating at. I yeah. think there's like such a part of me that's like, I want to fully take advantage of this life. And there's like this impatience of like, ah, there's no time to like have a bad day or like, you know, we have to like, uh, I don't like to be slowed down. And sometimes like my, my ego wants to also speed up other people's uh, process of like, can you heal faster? Or, like, move through this thing that's like holding you back a little bit faster. Yeah. I'm pretty good at like not doing that with my clients, obviously. But I think like with very close family members, it's the or like when I have a partner, tends yeah. to be like a, a shadow. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, especially with communication and intimate relationships, and that's been a big downfall of mine um, in my last three relationships, long-term relationships that I've had, where I don't have the patience to because I've, I've ended up choosing guys that they don't—they're not they're, that's not their strongest suit—is communication. And I'm a Gemini, I'm an air sign, I'm a very strong communicator, and when somebody's communicating and they're not able to articulate it, I have this like thing where I want to complete their sentences and like get it because I'm like processing quicker than them. Right. And so uh, one thing I wanted to point out to for people that don't understand shadows and what, and, and maybe how to start accessing them or understanding what they are. The quickest way to your shadows is going to be looking at your triggers, look at what you're triggered by and, and then ask, get curious about your trigger, lean into the trigger because that's where you're going to understand your shadows because what triggers you and other people are the split off rejected shadow aspects of yourself. So when you see that you're going to be really annoyed by it, but then usually it's an extension of you and it's the part of your, your shadow self. So just a little bit of a backdoor hack to understanding your shadows. If you're uh, wanting to get curious about those. <sighs> wow. We covered a lot. <laughs> yeah. I love talking with you because you're, um, we process at the same rate. We think very similarly. We, we channel through our bodies. I can tell when you're thinking you're actually like resonating with what's going on in your body's experience first. And then it channels up to your head and then you share it through your mouth. And I'm very similar. So yeah, it's always a, a delight. Um, one cool thing that I do with, with all the guests I, um, 
I have something called this is me tip of the week. So this is basically, uh, this is me is like a, a statement of self-ownership. Like this is me, this is who I am. And I'm proud to be this person. Um, and it's all about taking yourself on the journey of, to self-ownership, um, which is the step beyond self-acceptance. So self-acceptance is kind of like, here I am, I accept this about myself. Self-ownership is like, I fucking love this about myself. These are the things that I, that I, what is one tip that you can share with the audience to help them stand in that beautiful energy that I see you standing in today? Being which energy? Just the self-ownership, being, being confident okay. and, and empowered and, and being able to embody self-worth, so, so to speak. I think learn to trust yourself. Like okay. learn to listen to your, your inner voice and your gut. And it happens, it's the first thing you hear inside that then gets interrupted by your mind. It's that little voice that like, kind of whispers and you you need to listen to it until it becomes loud it's like a muscle you can train to listen to so that it it um it dominates inside before your thoughts come in and um and uh um interrupt the the experience of whatever you're about to say or uh, just trust yourself to express yourself and to trust your decisions and to, to like just anchor in your body. Trust, trust yourself. Okay. And for people that are really new to this, like what would be a, a place that they could start? How could you start doing this in a way that's going to help you build this as a, as a, yeah. Um, I would say asking the question, what would I love right now? Say that one more time. And so asking the question, what would I love right now? Okay. And you can have that as a reminder, like maybe as the, you know, screensaver on your phone or like writing it somewhere where you see it on your laptop or something where it's, you're constantly reminded to ask yourself, what would I love right now? Because then you're training that voice to answer. So it's like in this moment, you know, I'm having an interaction with you. What would I love right now? Like maybe I would love to share something. Maybe I would love to ask you something or whatever. You're in any situation. Just ask yourself, what would I love right now? Maybe that the answer to that is like I'm in a group and I would love to be alone right now and I need to express that. Mm -hmm. Maybe whatever comes up, like what would I love right now? What I like that. Feel good right now. <clears throat> I'm going to use that for myself even too, because I'm finding that, you know, it's, it's, and that's an alignment question. If you think about it and, and an alignment towards your authenticity, because love is your authenticity. Love is something you want to align to. And when you ask yourself that every, every moment that you're in, you're going to align to the thing that's aligning to what you want. Right. And then that's part of self-worth is, and then setting boundaries to, in order to make sure that you get what you would love to be right now. Right yeah so yeah cool okay anything you want to add oh <laughs> any any final thoughts <laughs> final thoughts um yeah if you're interested in you know self-worth work and abundance work and mindfulness work that's what i love to to do so you could 
come visit me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm going to be having some courses soon around that, those topics. Um, and I love to connect with people and I love to, I, I just really care, genuinely care about people. And, and so I'm so happy to have been able to, to have this experience with you, Matt. Ditto. You're one of, one of my favorite friends. <laughs> Yeah, we have a beautiful friendship. I definitely uh, love it. Feels good. Feels good. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'll put all the links to all your social channels and um, definitely give you some shout outs when you get your courses um, up and running because I know the value that you bring and I know that my audience is definitely going to benefit from your presence in their life. Um, so yeah. And to the audience, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is episode 18. We're almost at 20 episodes. This is pretty exciting. I'm, uh, I'm loving doing this. It's great. And connecting, um, feel free to reach out if you have any uh, feedback or suggestions or things, maybe topics that you want me to talk about or guests that you'd love to have, uh, on the podcast, feel free to reach out, but yeah, have a beautiful day. Thanks again, Stephanie, for joining us. Thank you, Matt.